Welcome, listeners, to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. A guest on today's podcast joining me from BYU, he's a student at BYU. Joining me via Zoom is my friend Alexander Solis Latora. Welcome to the podcast, Alexander. Thank you so much, Brother Oscar, for having me today on your podcast. As you know, I'm usually someone who is behind the scenes running a massive interfaith group like Worldwide Unified. But today I will be in front sharing my thoughts and part of my story here with the hope to inspire someone. Thank you for the opportunity. Um, listeners, I we're going to talk about Alexander's High Five devotional. And I just want to read you the message I sent to him back in November after listening to it. I listened to your High Five devotional. This is me to Alexander listeners this morning on my walk. Wow, it is excellent. I wish everyone in the church could listen to this. Your insights and belonging and creating safe places are spot on. I learned so much from your insights. One in particular was that people who wonder if they belong are often the best at helping others feel like they belong because they know this road. I love the sign you have in your apartment at BYU that reads, Safe Place, Safe Space, Come Chat. And I sense you've had many discussions. So that's a little bit of background, listeners, why I wanted Alexander to be on the podcast. And this is going to be about um, belonging. And if you're um, wondering if you belong in the church or if you're trying to, as a parent or a local leader, a member, create a feeling of belonging for people in your circle, Alexander is uniquely qualified to talk about this. Pretty vulnerable with his background and times where he didn't feel like he belonged. Um, so. Will you give us a little bit of an introduction? Give us a little bit of your bio. I'd love you to introduce um, where you're from, where you served your mission, what you're studying at BYU, that kind of stuff. Absolutely. And thank you first for uh, reading this message and for sending it first, because um, I wasn't expecting you to invite it, to invite me to your podcast, but it was an honor to get this message and this invitation. Um, I am originally from Lima, Peru, but has lived in Utah for the last five years already because of college. I am a senior student at the Mary School of Business of BYU, majoring in human resources with a minor in nonprofit management. I am very passionate about building people's potential and doing missionary work. I served a full-time mission in Chile, Santiago East in 2014. And since my return, I've worked at the Missionary Training Center of Peru first, and then Bravo in different capacities. I am also one of the key leaders behind of the fast-growing interfaith group, Worldwide Unified, composed by more than half a million people from 32 religions and 99 countries. Um, this group was created in April 2020 following the invitation of President Nelson in general conference to FAST. And that was a miracle. Uh, we saw people joining this group in one week just because we were all facing a common struggle, which was the pandemic. I describe myself as a teacher, a hugger, and a friend. Um, just stop, listeners, and think about a Facebook group um, with a half a million people that is unified. Um, came together with President Nelson's worldwide invitation to fast in April in 2020, and then has continued to be a source of prayer and and fasting and support for 
people of all these different religions across the country. This is not a divisive group. Um, this is a group where there's unity and there's great differences there, as you point out, with religions and um, different cultures. And I can't imagine what it's like to be a, um, an admin for a group of a half a million. Um, that could be a 24-7 job within itself. So thank you and all the admin team and all the healing and hope that's being provided in that group. Yeah, but go ahead and just keep talking about that devotional. Yeah, absolutely. So it was such a great blessing to give a devotional on Chi Five Life about a topic that I am very passionate about and that I still struggle with um, some days, which is belonging, especially within the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints that I am part of and I love deeply. Today, I want to go a little deeper on this topic uh, by sharing part of my journey with everyone on this podcast and by offering 12 suggestions on how to foster belonging within our religious community and anywhere else. To start off, let me give you a little bit of background. I come from parents who are converts to the church. I was raised in a Latter-day Saint family, but grew up in a very non-Latter-day Saint environment in Lima, Peru. My parents did their best to teach me the gospel at home, and especially how to be a kind person. They showed me how to treat others fairly and how to serve for what I am eternally grateful. I had a good home. I have nothing to complain about. My experiences at church were not the same, though. In fact, they were the opposite. I always felt marginalized and left out within the church for not looking like everyone else. Since a very young age, I experienced exclusion within my own religious community, by peers, and sometimes by church leaders. And yet, I never went inactive. I chose to stay despite all of the turmoil that I was experiencing as a child and a teenager because I always felt that I needed the church in my life. Recently, I came to the realization that the church also needs me and needs everyone, especially the ones who don't fit, the ones who are in the margins because it is right there where Jesus is and works many miracles. Today, I can say that I am thankful for not having had an amazing upbringing in the church because I am not blind nor deaf to the reality that many of my fellow brothers and sisters experience out there. Today, I feel that my bowels are filled with compassion towards everyone. Today, I feel like I can help anyone who doesn't feel like they belong in the church because I have been there. And sometimes I am still there. Today, I can talk about my belonging crisis within the church without feeling less about myself. Truth is that because of this crisis, I have come to know Jesus and my heavenly parents in a deeper way and learn how to succor people. Thanks, Alexander, for being so honest and vulnerable. Vulnerability breeds vulnerability, and that's one of your gifts is to be real and honest. Here's a question for you. Since your childhood was pretty hard, where are you in terms of belonging today? Yeah, 
So I moved to Utah in 2017 and uh, because of college. And one of the main reasons why I chose to leave my family again after my mission and start a new life in Utah was because I was longing for belonging like crazy. Since I wasn't feeling that in my own country, in my own religious community, I wanted to find that here in Utah. I had heard so many people saying that Utah was like Zion. So I thought that coming here would change my life for better. I am sad to report that it was the same. And in many occasions, it was worse. I realized that church culture was a worldwide issue and not just a local one. I never thought that moving to Utah would make my life harder. To give you an idea, I cannot count the many times I have been told by peers and sometimes by church leaders in a funny or serious way that I am a menace to society for being single and 26, well, 27 now. That always shocked me. How can you tell someone something like that, even as a joke? No child of God is a menace to society. And yet, we still use phrases like this with others in our church culture. But this is just an example I have heard over the years. These things are wrong and unchristlike, and that need to be addressed so we can improve as a religious community. I know that your podcast, Brother Osler, is addressed to LGBTQ people, and I feel for them. I'm sorry. There is so much we need to improve in order to create a safe place for minorities and anyone who does not feel fully welcome in our community. Oh, how I wish the sign outside of our chapels is no longer written as visitors welcome, but as welcome visitors, as a reminder to all members of the church to do exactly that, to welcome people, to embrace them fully. Visitors will come anyway. Missionaries will continue inviting people to come to church. But are we helping these visitors feel fully welcome so they can choose to stay? I truly believe that there is a space for improvement. And there is a space for everyone in this church, everyone, not only a few. I believe there is a space for LGBTQ people, Black people, those who didn't serve a mission, those who serve a mission but return home for sickness, those who serve a mission but return home earlier for any other reason, those who return honorably but took a different path after their mission. Those who go on dates but are still single. Those who are single like me and 26 or 27 or older. The divorced, the divorced with children, the converts, the converts who still hold some of their old belief. The teenagers who dress up immodestly. The young adults who were immodestly or cast from time to time. Anyone with questions or doubts about church history. And the list goes on. There is a Relief Society's message in the Liahuna of this month that I encourage your audience to, to read. This is a great resource for us to learn how to be better 
in our community. And this message comes originally from a Brigham Young University Women's Conference um, that was addressed last year. I want to share with you a quote from that message. This comes from the Relief Society presidency. They said, admittedly, there is need for improvement. Studies have shown that the number one reason people leave religion is that they feel judged or unwelcome. That is cited more often that than doctrinal disagreement or lack of belief. The good news is that see, the good news is this situation can practically be eliminated if we really open our arms and hearts to everyone. We can seek to be a light, not a judged. That is something left only to the Lord. Our responsibility is to extend an open hand and heart. As we do that, we find that we have created a safe place for sharing, a safe place to grow, a safe place to become our best selves. There is a belonging crisis, my brothers and sisters who are listening to this podcast. We are letting so many wonderful people go. And not everyone is actually leaving the church. Some of them feel pushed away because they don't feel understood, because they don't feel like supported when they have questions, when they have concerns. Where are we sending them? If this is not the refuge, if the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is not the refuge, the haven, where is the place? I know some of you or some people out there may say, but home should be the place. Home should be the safe place for people, not the church. In the ideal world, individuals should find belonging in their own homes. The reality is that many don't enjoy that kind of support, even in their own families. Think about the new converts, or think about LGBTQ teenagers or young adults. Do we expect these people to find this belonging only at home, when for some of them, home is unsafe? So then why Moroni expressed the following at the end of his book, and the church did meet together oft to fast and to pray and to speak one with another concerning the welfare of their souls. For him and for every prophet, the church was supposed to be a safe place for all. Yes, it was not meant to replace home, but to work side by side to home as a haven, as a refuge. Is this the case nowadays? Are we being part of the solution or the problem? Let's ponder about that for a little because I have done the same work. I have taken time to ponder about that. Am I the solution? Am I the problem? Am I contributing to the pain of my brothers and sisters out there? Or am I trying to understand them and walk with them? I don't want to be the cause for people breaking up with Jesus. I hope that this is not the case for us. I hope that we can decide to walk with these people and try to listen to their concerns because we may experience something like that in the future. We never know. I, I am a BYU student, as you said, Brother Osler. And my journey here at BYU has been difficult. Um, I'm an international student. 
I'm not from this state. I'm from Peru. English is not my native language. And there are not many Latinos among the population of BYU students. And that can be an opportunity, but also a challenge sometimes. During my time here at BYU, I have seen so many things that have shocked me, that have made me question why, why these things have to happen in the law school. For example, um, and maybe a lot of your um, listeners may relate to this or may know about this, but a few years ago, there was a change in the honor code. And that caused a lot of commotion, a lot of pain in a lot of people. And I feel for them. Um, but I remember the reaction of a lot of the active church members um, to this situation. Many of them said the phrase, if you don't like it, leave. If you don't like BYU, then leave. And I hear that over and over. I heard that in my apartment. I heard that in my ward. I heard that uh, in conversations on the bus. I read that on social media as if that is the solution for uh, our problems as a community. Telling people to leave just because they have a question, just because they have a concern, is not Christ-like. We need to stop and listen to people and try to understand why they are acting the way that they are? Why are they are fighting for something that we may not understand, but that they understand pretty well? I want to share with all of you a quote that I always share. And this is given by Elder Christopherson. This was actually shared on social media, on his personal social media in 2018. He said, open quote, it breaks my heart if someone comes to church and is very vulnerable and, and thinks, I want to try it. I want to be here. And then gets a cold shoulder or a lack of interest from someone else. That is really tragic. We have to be better than that. We have got to be better as a people at receiving and helping and walking together with everybody. That was said almost four years ago. And I believe that we are still way far from this kind of a scenario where we help each other, where we welcome everyone and make feel everyone safe and welcome. Now, because I have seen the same coming from other Christians, as, as you mentioned at the beginning, Brother Ostler, um, I'm an admin, I'm a leader of an interface group, a group that have people from 32 religions. I didn't know that there were that many, but we have people from so many different backgrounds and I've been able to connect with a lot of them and learn from their cultures and beliefs and understand where they are coming from in order to, um, to love them. Because if you don't know people, if you don't know where they are coming from, it will be very hard to love them. So over the last 20 months, I've spent time just talking with people and with Christians from different denominations. And I have found something in common, something that we share with other Christians out there. There is this phrase that is overly shared that um, is read, love the sinner, hate the sin. This quote was never 
never courted by the Savior himself or his disciples. But yet, it is widely spread by Christians as if this was an eternal truth. There is no place for love that sinners hate the sin in the scriptures. The Savior never called us to love sinners, but to love neighbors, in part because he cares about eternal relationships and our potential much more than our past as sinners. He also calls us to love enemies, again, not sinners, because he acknowledges that the actions of enemies may affect us. But the reality is that the actions of sinners have nothing to do with us because sinning or not sinning is a personal matter. The personal choices or sins of others have nothing to do with us. The wrongdoings of enemies and abusers may involve us, but the actions and personal choices of people don't. So I, I want to there to rephrase this non-scriptural quote as love the neighbor, try not sin. And why like this? Because if we're going to hate any sin, then that sin should be ours, not the sin of my neighbor. It's not my business. My business, my job, our job is to love our neighbors. To love everyone as Jesus did, as heavenly parts do. Not to judge, not to hate. The best way for me, at least, to fight against sin is by trying not to sin. Not fighting against those who sin, which in the end is anyone, every neighbor, including ourselves. We all sin. Apart from Jesus, I don't know anyone else who can claim to be free from sin. We are all sinning in one way or another. So we need to be careful how we treat people when they choose something different, when they live in a different way, because if we choose to judge them, we may not be able to love them fully. Um, Professor Eric Hanmund said this in a BYU devotional years ago, we need to love one another as Jesus loves us. Without diluting the doctrine or compromising our standards, we must open our hearts wider, reach out farther, and love more loudly. We must make space for struggle and faith as we await the final victory, which is assured if we come to Jesus Christ. I second his words. We need to love as Jesus did. And we need to leave the judgment to him and Heavenly Father. It's not our job. It's not our business to judge. It is not an easy task because sometimes we are just judging people unconsciously. But we need to remind ourselves that that's not our job. Our job is to love everyone as Jesus did. Now, um, I want to share with all of you 12 suggestions um, that I think will help you to become a safe person and create safe spaces, wherever you are. As was mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, I gave a devotional in another page 
that is called High Five Life, where I was able to talk about belonging, my longing for belonging, and how we can create safe spaces. Now, I want to add a little bit more to what I shared in that devotional. And I do this with the hope that you can become a better person, that you can provide these safe spaces to people, wherever you are. First, people need to know that you are safe. People need to know that they can come to us anytime and talk about anything. A lot of the people who are choosing to leave the church leave because they couldn't find a support community within the church. And they find it outside of the church. But if we can talk about the hard stuff, if we can address the hard questions, if we can listen to people and they can know that we are safe and that we will not judge them, it is more likely that they will choose to stay. At least from my personal experience, whenever a friend, a roommate, a classmate comes to me with a question, a concern, a doubt, I don't preach at them. I listen to them. I try to understand. I try to walk under your shoes. And after listening and after showing my love to them, I share what I think about that specific situation. But again, I don't preach at them. That's not my job. Now, if they want something from the scriptures, if they want to hear the word of God, they will ask for that. Most people just need to feel loved when they are struggling. So let's make sure that people know that we are safe. Second, don't judge people based on your standards. It is unfair. Sometimes we we feel like because we belong to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and we believe that this is the true Church of Jesus Christ, we have a right to judge people based on our, on our beliefs and our standards. That's unfair. Let's listen to the words of Elder Rengland on March 28, 2016. We can stand firm in our beliefs and have a loving relationship with those who hold different opinions. For example, I believe drinking alcohol is a violation of cat's law. So what do I do when I am hosting friends who do not believe as I do? My wife and I arrange to go to a restaurant with them where they can order as they choose to. And then, and when they order wine with their meal, I do not get in their faces and call them out as sinners. Similarly, can I be friends with individuals who are living together without the benefit of marriage? Absolutely. And when I am with them, do I stand up in great indignation and call them to repentance? Even though they are presently engaged in behavior, I do not agree with. No, of course not. We can stand firm in our beliefs and have a loving relationship with those who hold different opinions. Let us not forget that the plan of salvation offers love and mercy of our, of our Savior, Jesus Christ, to all. I think that's pretty, pretty straightforward. We need to do better at this. We can be friends with everyone. We don't have to preach at them or Bible bash them whenever they choose to act differently than we do. Three. Wish everyone well. 
not evil. We need to offer people more grace. I remember a few years ago, there was a general authority who was excommunicated. We don't know why. We don't need to know why. We didn't know anything about what happened. But a lot of the members of the church on on social media decided to jump into conclusions. A lot of them were just spreading gossip, making assumptions. The church didn't make a statement about what happened. They only advised people that an excommunication happened. But a lot of the church members on social media were just making assumptions. That was unfair. That wasn't Christ-like. But among the many comments that I read on these um, conversations happening on social media, I found one that just amazed me and made me feel a lot of hope for the future of the church. This sister said, I will paraphrase her because I don't remember the exact quote, but she said something like this. Take your time, elder, to repent. And once you made it, come back and teach us how you did it. For me, that was the most Christ-like attitude to show to someone who is going through a repentance process. Four, we need to love people fully. And our love shouldn't be dependent on the righteousness of people. This goes linked to the second point. We can and we shouldn't judge people based on our standards or based on our righteousness. Actually, so we need to show more love. And when someone is struggling, when someone is choosing something different, we will love them even more. Number five, we need to put our agendas aside when choosing to love someone, to love someone. No one really likes feeling like a project. And sometimes in our efforts to bring people to church and help people to come and to Christ, we treat them as projects. That's wrong. That will not help anyone. That will not help these people. That will not help us as missionaries, as members of the church trying to do missionary work. We need to put these agendas aside and love people, embrace them, get to know them. And once they feel our genuine love, they may decide to come back to the activity in the church, to join the church, or they may decide not to do it. And that's totally fine. Our love shouldn't be dependent on their decision to join or come back to the church. Number six, we need to make sure that our own righteousness doesn't confuse with self-righteousness. Number seven, this is so important. We need to get exposed to different realities. If we continue just hanging out with the same kind of people and just surrounding ourselves by the same kind of friends, we will not be able to learn and understand other belief systems and other backgrounds. We need to welcome diversity. And this is actually one of the biggest blessings that I've been able to get from my association in Worldwide Unified. This group is composed, as I said, by people from 32 religions and 99 countries. People from all over the globe joined a fast um, that was enacted by President, President Rosalind Nelson back in April 2020. And the group is still active. The group is still open to 
old people. This is not a Latter-day Saint group. This is not a Christian group. This is an interfaith group. And I really enjoy talking with people who are not of my faith. I learn a lot whenever I take the chance to talk with them. I love the passion that Christian evangelicals have for Jesus. I wish I had that kind of passion. Like they, they not just talk about Jesus, they not just rejoice in Jesus, but they breathe Jesus. They are literally having Jesus in every step that they take. I love that. Um, I, I love the passion for prayer and fasting that Muslims have. I have a few Muslim friends from this group, and and I love them. I love their um, relationship with God. I wish I can build my relationship with God, with God in, in the same way that they have done it. So I'm sure in these examples as a way to let you know that bringing, welcoming diversity into our lives will benefit us. It will also benefit us. It will make just more aware of what's going on in our surroundings. This is how I have been able to learn as I an adult a lot about mental illness, suicidality, scrupulosity, same-sex attraction, um, faith crisis, belonging crisis, by talking with people, by getting myself exposed to these realities, I've been able to grow. I've been able to have more compassion for my brothers and sisters out there. In the past, I didn't know much about these experiences, but today, whenever someone comes to me and says, hey, Alex, I am having these suicidal thoughts, I don't freak out. I don't jump into conclusions. I don't send them to a bishop or to talk with their parents. Instead, I listen to them and I embrace them. And I try to walk with them and if professional help is needed, they will get it. But my job as a friend is to be by their side. Number eight, we need to listen to people's stories, but also we need to avoid the weaponizing of those stories. I have seen that sometimes when we find a story that we don't agree with, we tend to bring the Bible or the proclamation of the family to the table. And we need to make sure that we are doing this because we want to help these people and not because we want just to protect or help ourselves. Sometimes we focus too much on ourselves and how we feel about something than how people feel about their life experiences. So listen to people carefully, but don't weaponize your stories. Number nine, it's not up to us to decide what people can become. It's up to God and Jesus. We talk a lot in our church about seeing people as what they can become. And sometimes in our minds, we think that they need to become one way. They need to be like everyone else in the church. They need to look like every young ladder they sing who returns from a mission. The reality is that. The becoming depends on the relationship that they have with God. God will guide them. God will tell them how to live their lives. So we shouldn't be deciding how people 
need to look like, that's not our job. That's between God and these people. Number 10 is linked to number nine. We need to give people space and time to figure things out with the Lord. And I hope that we can provide a safe place for people to do it within the church, within our religious communities, and not far from there. Sometimes I feel like we send the message to people that they need to figure things out outside of the church. And once they have everything ready, they can come back. That's wrong. They can do it while they are among us. They shouldn't be doing their figuring things out outside of the church. But sometimes we send them away and we hope that they figure things out outside. And once they are ready, they can come back. The reality is that many of them may not come back. But if we can keep them close to us, and if we can be even part of their process of figuring things out, the likelihood is that they may choose to stay with us. Number 11, we need to pray. We need to pray to have the Spirit with us constantly, to say the right things, to do the right things, so we can fill our hearts with love. I am so thankful for the Holy Ghost. I don't think I could do any of these things that I'm sharing with all of you if I wouldn't have the Spirit. I'm not perfect, but I, I, I try to have the Spirit in my life on a daily basis. And having the Spirit has helped me say the right things, do the right things when I don't understand a situation, when I don't understand the experience of one of my friends. Without the Spirit, I don't think I can be able to help people. I, I serve as an Elder Scrum president in my YSA ward for almost three years. Uh, I, I never moved from that ward, by the way. So during those three years, I was able to help and learn and, and grow in testimony. But I needed the Spirit. Without the Spirit, I don't know if I was going to be able to make it. Because people struggle, people have challenges. And as a president, I wanted to be a good tool for my brethren in our quorum. So the Spirit helped me say the right things to them. The Spirit helped me do the right things for them and with them. Without the Spirit, it is almost impossible to help someone. So I encourage you to find ways to connect with his spirit. This is the last one, actually. Um, and this goes mainly to leaders of the church. Um, so whoever is listening to this podcast and is a leader of the church, um, I want to share this last suggestion to, to you because you have some power um, over specific people in your um, in your corons, in your wards, um, in the areas that you're serving in. And I, I want to share this with a few, uh, a few experiences to give you an idea of what I'm talking about. The point that I want to make in this last section is the importance of leaving our thrones of power 
to walk with those in the margins. We can learn from prophets um, of the past <laughs> on how to do this, how to leave our power, how to leave the, the throne that we have been given, uh, the stewardship that we have been given to go and walk with those who are in the margins like Jesus did. Let me give you two bad examples first. When I was 16, uh, in this process of not feeling fully welcome and uh, feeling disengaged uh, within the church, as I explained at the beginning, I decided to be to become the friend for people who were feeling the same way. I was told that that was the, the best way to address this kind of issue. So I decided to put myself out there to make friends to those who were struggling, to those from the margins. And not just that, I decided to bring people from the outside into the church. So I started bringing my gym friends, my non-members, non-members gym friends to the church. And if you love working out, you know that gym people wear gym clothes everywhere that they go. Um, we like dressing up like that. So whenever I bring, I brought these friends into the church for sacrament, for activities, they were wearing shorts and sometimes tents. And that was okay with me because what I care more was that they were choosing to come to church instead of how they were coming to church. I didn't care about that. When I was 19 years old, I wasn't worried about how my friends were dressing. However, for the older generation, that was shocking. I will not forget what happened in a, in a church activity when I brought one of my um, gym friends to this church activity. Um, and we were told that we, were, we, we needed to dress nicely. So I, I told my friend that he, he had to wear some pants and, and a shirt, and he was okay with that. But he wasn't able to wear a belt. He didn't like belts, so he didn't wear a belt. Um, and we were going to this church activity. I was thinking in my mind, I hope no one said anything to him because of that. It's just a belt, right? Like, it's not a big deal. However, we enter this meeting. My state president approached me and told me, you need to tell your friend to wear a belt or he's not welcome here. I was like, destroyed. What? He cannot be welcome because of a belt? Yeah. We have some standards to follow. I was like, okay, all right. So I'm out. <laughs> I said that to myself. I didn't say that to him. But I was, I, I didn't know. I, I was destroyed. I, I was pretty sad. And I didn't know how to address this to my friend because now I had to go back to my circle and explain what I just talked with my state president. And in the process of trying to help my friend stay, but also to follow the, the guidance of my state president, I told my friend, can I give you my belt? 
Um, so we can continue um, in this church activity. It was awkward. And he was like, wait, why? I'm okay like this. Like, I feel comfortable. And I was trying to explain what just happened. And he didn't understand, of course. He left. And I just cried. I, I didn't want to stay in that church activity anymore. He was receiving the lessons of the missionaries. He stopped receiving the lessons because of that experience. And, and that taught me a lot about what not to do as a leader, what not to do as a member. But I, I hope this state president could have acted in a different way. If he needed to say something, I wish he could have said it at, that, at the end of activity, but not at the beginning when we just enter. And yeah. So leaders, if you're listening to it, to this um, experience of mine, be mindful of how you treat those who are not of our faith. And even those who are of our faith and who are maybe doing something that doesn't go aligned with our culture, the way that we dress, the way that we wear some things, the way that we speak. I don't know. We shouldn't care about as much as we should care about people coming to church. The second experience that I have, bad experience that I have is recent. When I was serving as an Elderspon president, I was in this work council and I expressed my concern to this work council um, leaders about how some people were sitting alone in our chapel. This was before COVID. Um, and I was always reaching out to these individuals and trying to see what their side. But, you know, I only had two sides. So I wasn't able to see by everyone who was feeling alone. So I asked for help. And the reaction of the leaders in this work council were just the worst. They told me things like this. You are worrying too much. You are too obsessed. Uh, you're not a missionary anymore. I felt abandoned and I questioned why things had to be that way. The next week, I was expecting a change. Nothing changed. I continued sitting by the same people and I felt sad because these people wanted to have friends. These were not people who wanted to sit alone. They wanted to have friends, but they didn't have them in our world just because everyone belonged to a group and it was really hard to be part of them. So I really hope that we are not like these leaders, that we are not trying to make feel, trying to make people feel unwelcome in our communities. Two good experiences for you, two good examples of what a leader should do with those who don't feel like they belong. Um, I want to talk about my, my, not my current bishop, but my um, bishop from last year. I just moved out. Um, this bishop just walked the extra mile. Um, as an elder school president, I was always talking about other people. I was always talking about what was going on in the world. 
But in our in one of our conversations, I remember that I told my bishop, Bishop, we always talk about people, but we never talk about me. Can we talk about me for a little? And he canceled everything that he had that night just to be with me and listen to what was happening in my life. Then I was able to express what was going on in my life. And he listened to me carefully and told me that he was going to make sure that I was welcome and safe in his world. That was amazing. That was the first time that a bishop said something like that to me. In the past, other bishops had told me like, oh, you just need to serve more. You just need to reach out to people more if you are struggling with belonging. Or, you know what, you just... Um, not going dates enough, you are not just doing enough, you should do more. But this bishop just stopped everything that he was doing and told me, I cut you, I cut you back, and you're okay, you're enough, and, and you're doing it great. Take your time, and if I can help you with anything, just let me know. From that day and on, he never stopped talking with me. He was constantly checking upon me, checking upon my friends, checking about what was going on in my life until I had to move out. That was amazing. That was my first time in 27 years that I felt supported by a leader, genuinely. And I wish everyone could have the same kind of experience. The second experience that I want to share with you too wrap up and finish this podcast it has to do with a family from my mission. This family, uh, these parents had three disabled kids. Two of them had autism and one of them was unable to walk. So the bishopric thought that the best way to help these people, these parents, this family was by not giving them any calling. They thought now they had enough. So we will not assign them any calling because they will not be able to serve. However, these parents wanted to serve. They wanted to feel like they were welcome, that they were part of the church of our community. So as a missionary, I, I was able to use this family for my lessons, to use the help of this family for my converts. That was the most faithful missionary family that I've met my entire life. A family that had all justifications to say, you know what, elders, I don't have time. I, I cannot do it. You know, like uh, I don't have the energy. They never made an excuse. They were always open to serve. And I believe that as leaders, we can be the same way. We can make the time for the people in our wards, in our communities, to feel supported and welcome, instead of choosing excuses like, oh, I don't have time because, or no, I have something else to do. Instead, we will choose to, to put aside the time to be with people and walk with them. These 12 principles have helped me over the last um, few years to become a safe person. I can I can let you know that I'm a safe person. That's the message that I want to give to anyone who gets in contact with me, that they can come to me and talk about anything and I will not judge them. 
I will love them. I will embrace them. I will walk with them. I will not preach at them. I think that we do a good job at preaching, at testifying, at sharing our beliefs, but we do poorly at receiving, at welcoming But I have the hope that we can that we can become better, that we can make an improvement. I think, experiences. I want you to be the ones changing culture so others may decide to join us. Because this is my last last thought. If we cannot help each other within our own community, how can we help those from the outside? If we cannot fix these things first within our own community, how do we expect to help those from the outside? It's not possible. We need to help each other first. We need to love one another first. We need to be able to walk with each other within our own community, within our Latter-day Saint community, so we can be able to help anyone else in the outside. Alexander, on behalf of listeners, and I think about 25,000 people listen to these podcasts each, um, thank you. Um, listeners, a couple impressions. Alex has, Alexander has written this out, a lot of what he shared, and I would, I'm going to ask Alexander if it's okay to link to the document that he produced, and we'll put it in the podcast show notes, because there's so many nuggets you shared here. People like me are writing down the things you shared, and I think they'd love to have a copy of this. So is that okay, Alexander, if we include this in the podcast? Absolutely. Yeah, I can, I can send that to you. So I think this is the foundation for church talks and discussions and because um, the principles you shared here are very helpful. And it's sort of this wonderful mix between the doctrine of Christ and what our leaders have said and what they've taught and practical application. Both, I think it's fine you've shared negative experiences because I think when we know better, we do better. And also the positive experiences, you're very respectful, very insightful, but we have to kind of look inward at times. We're, you know, it's hard. I just, Alexander, um, there's a lot of people who are really touched by you. I just hope you know how many people you're helping. And um, you have a very unique life mission. You're involved in a lot of different spaces, and you're using the gospel of Jesus Christ to bring hope and healing and unity. I think of just what you've taught. Unity and sameness is kind of the low bar. Unity and diversity um, is really where I think we create Zion. And I think a lot of the Latter-day Saints are really looking for that. Um, what, I wrote down so many things, um, and I won't go through all of them, but I did want to just talk about this phrase, if you don't like BYU, leave. Um, I think that's a really insightful thing to think about that. We may infer that in our church cultures and BYU in lots of different circles where there's differences and we look at those differences in a negative way and then make a shaming comment. If you don't like it, just leave. And that to me is not creating the body of Christ that Paul talks about. It's not creating unity and and one of the things I picked up on Twitter is this phrase, we're called to be gatherers, not sifters. And that's a sifting type comment. If you don't like BYU, just leave. 
people that have questions or difficult experiences at BYU love BYU. It took them a lot of work to get into BYU. Look at you. You had to come to a different country and do all the legal things required to get here and then get admitted. People love BYU. They have worked so hard to get here. That's a wonderful. Um, so it's really a shaming comment to say, if you don't like it, just leave. Um, and I think it's part of this idea we're called to be gatherers. We're called to listen to people. I think that was your invitation to understand why they feel that way. And often that, to me, is what they need in their lives. So um, that's the only thing I really wanted to build on, Alexander, is just that idea that, you know, it's not our job to sift. It's our job to gather. And everything you've shared in this last hour gives us principles to gather people I agree a lot of people don't have a belief crisis, they have a belonging crisis. And most people I meet with um, do want to stay in our church, and they just need a feeling of belonging. I love the sign. Tell our listeners, because when you did the unified, the World Unified High Five devotional, in the background, you actually had the sign. Tell our listeners what that sign is and where it sits. Absolutely so. Safe space contract. That's the phrase that I have on this sign that I that I hold in my apartment. And I'm a believer that any place can become a safe space. So I, I I have this visible to anyone who comes into my place, and they know that they can come and chat about anything with us. And it's been beautiful to hold a sign like that because over the last six months I have had friends just coming in and inventing and sharing what's on their mind. You know, college students have so much, have so much right now um, going on in their lives, dating, um, education, callings, work, and other struggles and other life experiences. So just knowing that they can come into my place and talk with me, talk with my roommates can make a difference. And that's why we hold this this time because we want to let everyone know in my world that they can come and chat anytime. I love that. And so listeners, um, I think our invitation, I'll let Alexander just give the last word is um, think what you can do in your circle. I bet in ideas of impressions have come to your mind. You don't need to do everything that comes to your mind, but take one or two or three impressions that come to your mind of what you can do in your circle to create a feeling of belonging. And if you're also wondering if you belong and um, have left the church or uh, are thinking of leading the church, maybe there's some thoughts here that help you say, well, I have some ideas now and perhaps how I can stay. As Alex and I both have said, most people we meet with do want to find to authentically stay and feel like they belong. And so this may be a podcast you listen to again to just continue to hear some of the nuggets that Alexander shared. And we will, once again, in the podcast notes, have a Dropbox link where you can get to the Word document or PDF document that Alexander put together. So um, you have a really unique, wonderful life mission at 27 with the foundation you have, the people you've listened to, your own journey of feeling of belonging. You're a, have a unique um, role as a disciple of Christ to continue to bring hope and healing. And you've gotten yourself into a really good spot at a young age. 27's 
obviously older than you were at 17, but you've got decades ahead of you, Alexander, to continue to bring hope and healing. And um, you've done a lot of the work necessary to do that. So when I meet listeners, people like Alexander, and a lot of you I'm speaking to you because a lot of you are the same type of people, I have hope for the future of our world, the future of our church, because especially this younger generation, it just is wired for the kind of things that Alex has shared. And so, Alexander, I'll, I've kind of been calling you Alex and Alexander. I think you go by Alexander, but it's okay. you'll give me some grace there. I'll just turn it back to you for any final comment. Yes. So my message has been has been addressed to anyone who have this desire to create safe spaces, who have that desire to help those who don't feel like they belong, but they belong. But now I want to just conclude this podcast talking to those who are struggling, those who are walking on these issues of a lack of belonging within the church. I, I want you to know that you have a place in this church. And if you don't feel like you have a place in this church, we will make a place for you. I believe that there are people like me, like other Osler out there who are doing our best to create these safe spaces in our circles. So if you don't feel right now that you have a place in the church, know that many of us are doing our best to create that for you. And we need you. This church needs you. Now more than ever, because we, we, can, we cannot grow without your insights, your contributions, your talents. Missionary work will continue. Missionaries will continue bringing people into church. But the growth of the church will not happen if the ones who are currently here among us are not being taken care of, are not being protected and loved. So I want you to know that you have a place here in this church and that we need you. I need, if you choose to stay with us for a little longer, we will embrace you and help you. If you decide to take a break because that's what you need, we will offer you grace and wish you well. If you decide just to break up with the church because that's what you think is the best for you, same thing. I will wish you well. I will wish you the best because you're a child of God. And I'm pretty sure that he wished you the same. That's great. What a great invitation. Listeners, I'm just going to mention a book that I have coming out. I haven't talked about it too much, but it's just so topical to what Alexander shared with us. And if you're listening, and it's probably in late February onwards in 2022, it's called Listen, Learn, and Love, Improving Latter-day Saint Culture. And it's just very consistent with the things that Alexander's been sharing us with us. And you may write a book one day. Um, you are very gifted in this space, and perhaps you'll be an author one day. You're busy right now, um, but that may be something that you end up doing. But anyway, listeners, look for that book. It's, um, it's just very consistent with the things that Alexander's been sharing with us. So this is Alexander Soros Latora. And Richard Osler signing off from another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love.